Hey there, everyone. This is Dan Figella with Tech Emergence, where we interview entrepreneurs, researchers, and investors in the domain of emerging technology. And we've talked a good deal about augmented reality uh, over the course of the past few months. We've had researchers in that domain. We've had CEOs of excited companies like Augmate. And today, I'm lucky enough to have a few folks, including Mr. Keitan Zoshi from uh Anthier Labs, uh, they're here with me right now to speak a little bit about the current applications of augmented reality in the blue-collar domain and then where it might go in the future. How's it going today, folks? Oh, very good. Cool. Hey, Indeed. Glad to have you both on. Um, so uh, with, with, respect to, uh, with respect to augmented reality and its current applications now, I know if folks go to athierlabs.com, that's A-T-H-E-E-R labs.com, um, they can see uh, your glasses and, and, and your current applications in the blue-collar domain. Talk a little bit about where augmented reality is gaining traction now. I think a lot of folks are not familiar with you know, where it's already in use, and I figure who better to shed some light on that than you guys. Yeah, so, so the first use of augmented reality are situations where people need access to the physical world, to the real world, to do their job, and at the same time, they need a lot of information to help them do their job better. And the examples, the top examples that uh, come to mind are field service. So you're fixing anything from a jet engine to an oil rig, you're yep. uh, building or fixing something that is very valuable or is time sensitive. Uh, that's the top application. Warehousing, where people are carrying a lot of uh, boxes back and forth, you need to monitor everything and getting information at a glance. You look at something and you just get the information uh, about it is very, very helpful there for the efficiency. And right after that comes the medical market where the value that you get is very, very high because if, if the nurses and the doctors can be more efficient, then that is literally saving people's lives. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the challenge there is, uh, of course, it's a hard market to get into because there's a lot of uh, control of that market for very good reasons. Yeah, very good, so very good reasons. Market. Yes. So um, in terms of the, the applications out there today, in other words, you know, the folks walking around with goggles uh, on their heads, uh, augmenting reality uh, for, for their current position, I know that there are a bunch of applications in sort of the warehouse domain. Maybe walk me through a few use cases of, of folks that, that are or might be using what, what you folks over there have created at Athier Labs in terms of uh, head-mounted um, uh, augmented reality displays. Yeah, so uh, as, as Suleiman just mentioned, uh, the, I like to cover two specific use cases. One is a field service worker and other is the medical uh, professional. Uh, so on the field service side, uh, take an example of uh, an aircraft engine repair personnel, yep. uh, when they approach a particular engine, they want to understand what is the maintenance that is due on this engine and specifically what are the steps they need to perform and access a checklist. So if in a traditional way, they would have pulled up either a literally paper manual yep. or in some of the newer ones, they would use a regularized tablet, but then that uses up both their hands and uh, now they, they, they are restricted. Now, by wearing our smart glasses, what's happening is in the field of view, they can see the engine at the same time. For example, when they turn their head to the left, 
they can see the checklist that they need to perform ah. and literally reach out into the air and then do check, check, check with simple fingers of taps and swipes. And on the right-hand side, they could be accessing, for example, the manual uh, and swiping through the pages of the manual to access any specific instructions. Got it. Simple as that. Okay, and and uh, and uh, are the and so the simple example or the example you'd use there is sort of an aircraft engine. So that might involve you know particular regimen for cleaning or for taking apart specific piece in a very particular order because we're dealing with a really expensive piece of equipment. And of course, the benefit, as I think you had mentioned when we were off mic, is uh, is that with a traditional tablet, y you can't have your work gloves on and at the same time be using the tablet. So you have to sort of oscillate between work and staring at the screen, while the ideal is just to be able to be working continuously. Now, you had mentioned they could turn their head to the left and see the checklist, turn their head to the right and see the manual. Walk through sort of how does that how does that work? Did, does the, do the glasses detect that the engine is in front of them and automatically display the checklist to the right and the manual or the checklist to the left, manual to the right? How, how does it how does it know yeah. when someone's head is turned? So there are there are several components. Uh, one component actually is closest to AR. It's about detecting what you're looking at, recognizing what you're looking at, and giving you uh, pointers to that. For example, you see arrows that are pointing to specific locations uh, that you might be uh, interested in, or something like that, to make sure you do everything correctly. Uh, and this has a lot of information. It knows your location, it knows the map of the building that you're in, it knows the direction that you're looking at, and it also uses visual information to know uh, the, the exact part that you're looking at. Got it. And then once the system knows where you are, it knows what you're looking at, it pulls up all the, refer uh, the rele relevant information uh, and it puts it in the right place around you in space. Uh, and it, it knows how you turn your head because there are motion sensors on the head. And when you turn it towards the right, you know that you're looking, uh, for example, at the manual or the repair history. So one thing that you can do is after repairing something, you leave a note for the next guy ah. to, to know what you've done because depending on your work, their work might, might need to be changed. No, of course. Yeah, uh, if you've already made a specific so change. That can be left right there on the spot instead of looking at the computer and trying to go back in the history for that particular device. Got it. Now, is that in place now? In other words, are there you know pilots and examples of folks who are, who are leaving sort of augmented reality notes and traces of their work um, you know, in, in any industries at present? So we, we, I, I personally don't know of any large-scale deployment of this technology, yep. uh, but there are definitely pilots out there, you know, pilot programs uh, where people have, uh, have some solutions um, and, and here uh, itself uh, is working with several large companies uh, on such pilots. Got it. Okay, great. And and I, I think that that's just a very, very rational argument for implementing augmented reality. The fact that the folks who are working on large, expensive equipment don't have to leave a log in some physical file or in some computer file, but can have some semblance of a tag right there on the machine or on the part of the machine so that whoever goes into it next, they can check right away who was working on it? What did they do? What did he have to say? You know, is everything in order? And just be able to see that in instant display. It, it makes for a pretty, 
a pretty good argument for efficiency. And it does seem like um, efficiency and, um, yeah, I mean, efficiency and really being able to follow procedures well is kind of the major selling point here, I mean, from your guys' perspective, especially in marketing, right? time and, and I've also seen it where um, you know ideas posited where you can also kind of tell what someone's doing and maybe if they're doing it correctly or incorrectly you know so in other words if, if uh, supervisors or there's some kind of a record of what's happening through these goggles and they can make sure and they can go back and watch the video and help train the person on you know how they unscrewed this particular lug nut or you know how they repaired this one particular set of wires um, they could also use that for uh, kind of training and surveillance purposes to some degree. Oh, ab absolutely. So that that is certainly an application that uh, that is there. But equally interesting is use of this uh, camera that that you have built into the smart glasses to not just record what you did, but what we call as point of view sharing meaning you could be in a video conference with a remote expert that if you have a question or if you want to consult some expert about a particular repair, uh, then you could be actually showing them what you are seeing and they can annotate information uh, onto your view so you know what the next steps are. Yeah. Yeah, so they don't have to walk over to you from wherever building they're in. They can just literally help display through your own vision what you need to see, you know, the explicit directions, the highlights, etc. Exactly, exactly. And, and we have to remember that uh, in any organization, there are only limited number of extreme experts on each of the system, and they can't be everywhere. Nope. So this way of point-of-view sharing just saves the costs and improves efficiency significantly. Big time. Okay, great. And, and obviously, I mean, there's a little bit of the, of the surveillance factor as well. I mean, if you can see through somebody else's eyes, then you, you kind of know if they're slacking off and if they're not kind of doing their job on their 8-hour shift or 12-hour shift or whatever. Yeah, you make sure that they're doing their job correctly. And actually, what's happening there is, uh, yeah, systems, the systems that will evolve are systems that learn every time the worker does their job, uh, it learns how efficiently they did their job, and it automatically uses that information to, to help other workers do their job better. So just learning and sharing information amongst team members will, will just be exponentially improved. Yeah, because uh, yeah, they can tell the exact processes. That's, yeah, that's actually, so I haven't heard of that application, folks, but, but I like that one a lot. If you're seeing through somebody else's eyes and you're recording that and you're seeing the order, the ways, the, the, the method that somebody else is doing the job, then you can pull up on a screen 
who's the fastest at this repair job in the last six months? And you can say, wow, what are they doing differently? And how can we revamp maybe our current procedures to make sure we're modeling this very fast and efficient method? It sounds like that's an additional benefit. Got it. I, I like it. I, I like it. Um, so let, let's just for the sake of for the sake of time here, folks. I also want to talk a little bit about um, the medical domain, and then also where else augmented reality might apply itself. So medical is of a particular interest to me. I, obviously, as you had mentioned, lots of uh, lots of red tape around kind of you know human beings, uh, surgeries, and things along those lines, and for very good reason. Where where do you see augmented reality making its initial jumps into medical. I think your predictions here are interesting because you folks are focusing on, you know, the marketing and the realistic practical applications in this domain probably more than most. Um, where do you think it'll actually make its break in medical, whether it's pilot or mainstream? Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the technology as we explore the medical field, we came across various uh, clinicians and the most interesting of the immediate application seems to be uh, in the operating room and the, in the emergency rooms. Uh, just the way we talked about fixing uh, high value equipment, there's no higher value equipment in the world than a human body. So ability to fix that uh, is, is, is worth a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we, we're, we're seeing that application where uh, when, when a surgeon is performing a particular procedure, uh, sometimes they have to access, let's say, a CT scan, a particular report about a blockage that they are uh, uh, fixing, and so on. Uh, what sometimes they have to do is scrub out of that uh, operating room, uh, go out to the terminals where they can access information, view it, and then come back in. Uh, several problems with that. First of all, uh, valuable time for the patient uh, while they are in, in the procedure. Second is the whole operating room and the whole staff is sitting idle during that time, which is uh, worth a lot of money. In fact, they were, uh, the surgeon was telling us every time he scrubs out of the operating room, it costs them $1,500. Yeah. That's worth a lot of money apart from the human life factor. Uh, so what, what we essentially uh, developed with the surgeons is ability to pull information into their field of view when they need it. Normally, it would be transparent uh, uh, smart glasses, so no information is there. But with a literally swipe of a hand, that information gets pulled into the view. Uh, they can look at the, the scans, the reports, or even the vitals for that matter. Uh, and dismiss it when they don't need it makes for very efficient and life-saving uh, information in a OR and ER setting. Got it. Okay. Um, so when you said they have to leave uh, the operating room to check that other information, where where is this information mostly? I mean, is it is it down the hall on a big screen somewhere? Where do they have to shuffle off to to look at this? I, I suppose I'm a little less familiar with the uh, emergency room uh, scenario, and probably most of my readers are as well. What does this really look like when they have to, you know, leave for their information there? They, they have to leave to another room. Uh, so one thing is that with the sterility of the operating room, they cannot, it's very difficult to get uh, computers or uh, in there uh, because, you know, keyboard.
sports are touched by many, many people yep. in general, and uh, it's kind of a risk factor. So uh, most of the time, there's another room uh, that is close by, uh, which has which gives them access to all of the, the additional information that they uh, would need access to. Got it. Okay, so that's the, so they they actually at least as of now have to physically leave in order to make that happen. So I can see the application there. So that's so it sounds like for you folks the. The immediate application of, of AR in, in sort of the medical domain might be that. I saw a picture on your website of some, it, it almost looked like, and, it, and you had articulated it off mic here as kind of a vision picture of it. It would look like a nurse looking at a patient and sort of being able to see his vital signs and his conditions and records up live so that she didn't have to shuffle through too much paperwork or look back through somebody else's scribbled notes or something like that. Is that another application where maybe nurses or other caretakers are going to be better uh, updated with someone's vital signs, someone's current medical records, the last time someone checked on them, things like that in real time as they're walking around from room to room? there are many more nurses than there are doctors and uh, actually a lot of the care that is uh, given to uh, to the patients in hospitals is uh, through the nurses and so improving the nurses quality of uh, time at her or his job uh, would really really improve uh, the quality of care that they are that that the patients are receiving um, the there are a couple of challenges there. One, uh, the big challenge is that since it's a uh, larger market and you're putting it in uh, different use cases, many different use cases, uh, kind of the development time is a bit longer uh, and that you need to write, it's not, it's not done for a specific surgery for a specific uh, room. Uh, people are carrying it around uh, and using it kind of um, in a much more free way. Uh, so that makes it a bit more challenging. On the other hand, the FDA and the regulatory, uh, regulatory uh, restrictions are much lower because in that case you're replacing a, a computer. Yes, yes, yes. A device to the, uh, you know, to the surgery room. Uh, so it's a very, very interesting market, and we do know that there are some efforts in the medical field towards that. Got it. Now, in terms of which one might hit the market first, um, as sort of a second to last question here as we come up on time, do you see the nurse's application having happening after the surgeon's application? Um, or do you see it maybe the other way around? Is it is it potentially viable that in terms of mainstream application, we might see the nurse's first and the doctor's second? Uh, so, yeah, yeah that, that, that's a great question. Uh, this is where we are conducting pilots with, uh, uh, with, with those scenarios to, to really gauge what, what is the first versus the second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our, our, our initial hypothesis is that the EROR, uh, the operating room or the emergency room application, uh, will be the first one. Uh, to take hold simply from the standpoint of the return on investment for the hospital. Got it, yeah. Higher over there. Okay, understood. Yeah, and that's, hey, I mean, these are interesting applications. Again, a lot of the folks that are tuned in now are not just researchers, but are thinking business. You know, these are innovators and folks running companies uh, or, or aiming to start companies. And uh, 
those considerations are pretty big in terms of where adoption happens. You know, where do we see the ROI? Um, now, my final question, simply because I cannot help my curiosity here, and I'm really glad to have you both on the line, um, is when, when or how, if at all, and of course it's tough to tell, and we don't know, you know, re regulations or whatever other factors come into place in terms of how these things happen, where, where might um, normal kind of knowledge worker life be enhanced or augmented by augmented reality? In other words, somebody who's already staring at a computer screen all day Maybe they need augmented reality a little bit less. Is there any work being done or thought being applied to where the day-to-day -day knowledge worker might be helped via augmented reality? Is there, is there any thought there? Yeah, so the time for that market will mature exactly because of the reason uh, uh, that you said. Um, it's that their need is not as strong. And so for that to happen, the, the whole experience and the price point and everything around the, the system uh, needs to mature uh, a bit more. Yeah. But, you know, basically the advantage there is that with augmented reality, you can have a very small device, just be a pair of glasses, and you can actually have a large screen computer in there. So it gives you this combination of portability and usability that isn't... Uh, you know, available right now. Yep. Um, but again, the, that use case is much more sensitive to a price point. Of course. So it will take a few years uh, for that for that use case to be, uh, you know, to, to start picking up. Yeah. We, we, we feel that so data visualization is, is what uh, we term it as is, is definitely uh, an area that, that will be next. An example could be like uh, a typical say a control room or a trading desk where people are looking at multiple monitors at the same time. Yeah. Uh, now, now they can have access to that information with a single pair of glasses uh, anywhere they go. Uh, yeah. That, that is very powerful. Got it. Yeah, and I, I that those are the applications that I was thinking too. You know, quantitative traders or or maybe maybe even folks you know folks on the road who are who are you know, doing sales who could kind of check their pipeline or be updated of emails or other communications through all sorts of different channels and be able to trigger phone calls sort of during very strategic times that might be advantageous as well. But I suppose, as you had mentioned, um, because the need isn't as immediate, the computers are already in front of them, we're going to have to get the price point down, we're going to have to evolve the technology a bit, we're going to have to feel out that market before that becomes as big of a need as maybe the jet repair or human body repair. Got it. Okay. Well, that's all I had today, folks. I really appreciate you uh, you both being on the line. Um, if if people want to learn more about Appier Labs and what it is that you're doing, um, where where else can they find you online? I know your main website, but maybe there's other places you want to direct them. Uh, yeah. Uh, so apart from our website, which is www.appierlabs.com, uh, we also have uh, Facebook as well as Twitter uh, properties where we. Uh, routinely update certain uh, information about uh, how our glasses and AR in general is being used. So those would be great assets for people to check out. Cool. Okay. So you, you heard it from the, the fellows themselves there, folks. Everybody tuned in. Um, uh, Kitson and, and uh, tell the whole team over there, happy Halloween as we're recording this here on Halloween. And you both have a, uh, a fantastic day, okay? Great. Thanks a lot. Cool. Thanks, guys.
Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>